2: You are Locked On Redskins, your daily Washington Redskins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team team. every every every
1: day. We welcome you to another episode of the Locked On Redskins podcast. Great to have you with us. So we've got a busy show. We've got lots to cover coming up another time. The door slams to the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, we'll explain what we mean by that as well. Jack Del Rio, the Redskins' new defensive coordinator, spoke on Wednesday via teleconference. So we will get into what he had to say. He didn't have to say much i got to be honest with you, uh, he didn't have to say much. Or he didn't have much to say, I should say, much that he was willing to give. Uh, but we will get into what he did provide. Uh, as well, we're going to start off this episode hearing from Scott Turner, also the Redskins' entire coaching staff officially announced. So we've got a lot to do, so let's get to it right away. So Scott Turner also spoke by a teleconference on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, i got to be honest with you, I, I would have much preferred – The Redskins allowed us to meet with these guys face-to-face. They didn't. Um, Met Jack Del Rio at Ron Rivera's press conference. Scott Turner wasn't hired at that point. He wasn't even in the building at that point, so we have not met him yet. Uh, That kind of stinks because we're not going to get an opportunity probably to talk to these guys except by appointment. You know, at least until, like, May. So this was pretty much it, unless they somehow, some way, make them available at the Combine, uh, which is possible, but they usually don't do that. So this is the best we can do. We'll get you the best we can. Scott Turner meeting with reporters.
3: I guess the first thing I'd like to know is kind of, what do you... What do you think? Have you really watched a lot of uh, Dwayne Hopkins? What are your kind of early thoughts? What, you know? How do you think the offense that you you would like to run kind of fits what he does? Yeah, so that's what I'm in the process of doing that now. You know, really looking through the film. Um, obviously, you know, I did. Uh, I looked at Dwayne coming out a year ago. I uh, was a really big fan of his coming out of Ohio State. Had him, uh, you know, rated pretty high and. Um, you know, looking at him, I felt like he got better, um, as the year went on, just had, he you had know, a little bit more comfortable, um, playing in the, in the NFL. It is a, you know, it's a big step. The big thing for Dwayne is, you know, he hasn't played a lot of football. You know, he has, he was one year starter at Ohio State and then, you know, just kind of played sparingly this past season. So, you know, all the, all the, all the physical tools that you want are there. And I think if he continues to get, ex, um, experience, he's going to be a, a really good player. Can you also go over, obviously, you know, your dad had a certain offense for a long time. What is the style of offense you want to run? And I think kind of picking back and off what you just answered, how did Dwayne fit into that? Okay, so if you look at the offense that in the system that we've been a part of, you know, um, you know, talking about, you know, with my dad, going back to him, um, you know, the different places that we've been, uh, our, our offense has looked a little different. Now it's the same, it's still the same system, but we have versatility within our system where we're going to really fit and play to our players' strengths, you know. So right now as a coaching staff, uh, we're really trying to get to know these guys. You know, we have a little experience with some of them, um, as far as like, like I was saying with, you know, evaluating Dwayne coming out of the draft, but just really trying to figure out, you know, the pieces that we have on offense and then fit our scheme to our personnel and what they do well, and not ask them to do stuff they don't do well. Now, obviously, we're going to push them, we're going to develop them, um, to improve the things that, uh, that they don't do quite as well. But, you know, we really want to develop our scheme around, around the strength of our players. So, like Dwayne, you know, obviously, you see a big, strong guy, he can stand in the pocket, push the ball down the field, um, you know, we're going to want to use a lot of play action pass and then, you know, something also he's done a good job in his past and in college too is just being able to get the ball quickly and, you know, kind of distribute the football um, to the playmakers and let them make the plays for him. Uh, a little bit just about the process of you becoming offensive coordinator and, and kind of when you came up to interview with Ron, if you thought that's where this was heading. Yeah, you know, um, I did. I had an indication that uh, I'd have a chance. Uh, you know, obviously, I got a great relationship with Coach Rivera. Uh, I worked for him uh, for four seasons. You know, two and uh, eleven and twelve, and then these past two years in Carolina. Um, you know, when he he, taught, he brought me up and he said he was going to just kind of talk to me about potentially the offensive coordinator position. So I was just prepared with a plan of you know what what I would like our offense to look like, um, how we would develop uh, Dwayne, our young quarterback, or all of our players, um, and just, kind of, just kind of after. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I'm muted. I'm muted. Yeah, I'm still here, so that was interesting. But, yeah, so that, you know, I just met with Coach Rivera. um, And then, you know, uh, after a little bit of time, he offered me the job, and obviously I accepted
2: uh, okay. Scott, to your offense, the tight end is a huge part of it. Um, obviously, Jordan is a roster, but he's coming off of his seventh documented concussion. When you guys examine the tight end position, um, where do you feel like Jordan Reed fits into that? I'm um, sorry, you're hearing feedback. I don't know what that is, but um, where do you feel like Jordan Reed fits into it, and how do, how do you look at the tight end position? At, like, well, right now, like you're saying,
3: uh, tight ends are very important to our offense uh, as uh, a offense. We're, we're evaluating everything. Um, we're going to try to get as much, you know, as much talent as we can um, on on offense. And you know, you, you look at that different ways. Obviously, what's on the roster currently, um, but then we'll we'll you know we'll look in free agency. We'll look in the draft. Um, those are the you know kind of different avenues to acquiring talent. Uh, and we're you know we're open to all of that. Just wondering from a personal standpoint, what is it like for you to kind of be back to Washington? And did you kind of have any uh, like ill feelings sort of the franchise when your dad was fired back in two thousand? No, you know it's a business, you know, and you can't really take this stuff personally. Um, you know, I was in high school when my dad was a head coach. Uh, you know, he had a seven-year stretch here, and you know, stuff happens, and he moved on. And you know, my dad's had a you know unbelievable career. Um, it's really a dream come true to be back here. It's pretty surreal, to be honest with you. I mean, this is where you know I kind of consider home, um, just because you know when I when my dad took this job in '94, I was 11, and then his. His last year was my senior year of high school, so I still got a lot of really close friends, uh, in the area. Um, so just to be able to come back here and, you know, be the, uh, offensive coordinator for this, you know, for this franchise is really, uh, it's, it's really awesome, you know, and something I'm really excited about. Uh, so on a personal level, um, it's pretty cool. Hey, what's, uh, what's your ideal quarterback room look like in terms of having veteran guys, developmental guys? You, you kind of get a, a blank slate almost to, to build this thing the way you want it. What would an ideal quarterback room look like? Honestly, uh, I just want the best players, you know, and that, and because you you can't like you don't know like who's going to be available or who you're going to potentially get so like it it doesn't have to be a veteran it doesn't have to be like a young a young player obviously like uh like if you're talking about a practice squad guy or maybe a third you'd like that got to be someone that has quite a bit of upside someone that you can maybe a younger guy but as far as like your one and your two you want the best guys that are going to be available on game day to go win games for you um you know this league is obviously really hard Um, so i think you know you can there's there's different ways to find guys. I don't think you necessarily need a veteran. It's nice to have that experience in the room, but you know, if there's a young player that's better, you got to go with that option. Just curious, obviously, Ron is known as, as being a defensive-minded guy, come from that side of the ball, but as the head coach, presumably, he would have input. What's your sense of the relationship of how much input he'll have on what you guys do offensively? Is it just your call to run a bit, or, or how do you see the overall collaboration kind of working on on your side of the ball? So uh, I got you know, I have a great relationship with Coach Rivera. Um, there's gonna be obviously transparency. I mean, you know, I'll be uh, in charge of putting together the game plan with our offensive staff. You know, he's gonna be, you know, focused on the, being a head coach as well as you know probably a little more focused on defense. But you know, we'll we'll talk to him uh, every step because you know we kind of install different things during the week. Um, you know, he'll have all of our installs, all of our off season installs, and we'll we'll talk. We'll clearly show him, you know, what we're gonna be uh offensively as we kind of develop this uh as we develop this offense and you know if there's something he's not comfortable with you know he's the head coach and we're not going to do it you know and uh if he's got some you know he'll I'm, i'm he'll have input for me as far as you know things that give him some issues uh as a defensive you know defensively stuff that he sees um and we'll work you know we'll work some of those things in um ultimately like when it comes to game day uh you know, I'll, I'll be calling the plays, um, and I'm sure coach will have you know input for me, like in between series and stuff like that. What did you learn about yourself
2: and your the entire operation? Kind of the, down the last stretch of last year, when your role changed and you kind of really took over, you know, in that stretch. You know, what did you kind of find out about the type of coordinator that you want to be?
3: Um, you know, it was tough towards the end of the season. You know, we we had dealt with a lot of injuries. We had some moving parts on offense. You know, we were trying to, um, you know, trying to put, you know, do as well as we could offensively. You know, you really got to, uh, and it's not something I didn't know. It's just you actually did it. You know, I actually lived it was, you know, the preparation that you need to, there's so many variables um, in football and you don't, it's hard to predict exactly what's going to happen next. So you got to be ready for every possible, um, you know, situation. Uh, that's the one thing you know um, just the you know the feeling that hey you know those calls got to come they got to come with it before that play clocks get off and everyone's depending on you you know that's something obviously I knew but it's different when you're the guy calling it uh, but it was a it was a really good learning experience for me and it's going to really help me uh, you know obviously in this job but just going forward in my in my life as a coach. Hey Scott you've been around a lot of young quarterbacks in your day I'm just wondering what do you think are kind of the keys for developing those guys and making them into better NFL passers I think the number one thing uh, is you know the the commitment level I mean you know taking away obviously the physical skills needed to play the game but as far as just the approach you know you got to be the most committed guy in the building uh, your teammates have to see that the coaches have to see that because that's how you develop trust and that's how you develop leadership. You know, if you're if you're um, last guy in, you know, first guy to leave, uh, you don't have a mastery of the offense as a quarterback, and you try to tell somebody else what to do or try to uh, step into a leadership-type role, it's not going to work. You know, no one's going to listen to you. Uh, it starts, you know, number one, you know, the quarterback has to – the time so he knows the offense better than anybody you know he's got to know it like a coach uh, and he's got to be able to present that um, on the field and present that confidence you know when he's when he's running the show you know and that takes that takes work you know it takes work to get to that and um, and guys see it you know guys see when, when it's there and guys see when it's not you know and I think that some of the guys that I've been able to be around um, they've all done that you know we had uh, Cam obviously as a rookie I wasn't the quarterback coach but I was part of that process Uh and then uh, you know Teddy Bridgewater, when we drafted him in Minnesota, you know he came in and uh, he owned the system, you know, and that's what uh, that's what anybody's going to do. But you know, obviously Dwayne, and we'll you know we'll challenge him to to do that.
1: So here's what we're going to do: we're going to give you the Redskins offensive staff. Well, paired with the offensive coordinator. That seems to make a whole lot of sense now, doesn't it, right? So the Redskins officially announced their coaching staff uh, on Wednesday. Now, that doesn't mean that it cannot be added to. But for right now, no Chris Cooley. Remember the report we had in... The last episode from Chuck Sapienza, who, uh, the you know, Cooley, myself, and I, and Chuck worked together. Redskins Radio Network traveled together. I uh, did a digital, digital TV show with Cooley. Uh, he had not responded to my text, so I'm sure he's busy or he doesn't want to talk. That's fine. That's fine. I'm sure he's getting harassed by everybody. Uh, but the bottom line is, is he wasn't on this list. So let's check out the offensive coaches. Pete Honer, tight ends coach. Jim Hostler, wide receivers coach, he was only with Ron Rivera for a very short time. So he must have done a really good job uh, in order for Rivera to blow out Ike Hilliard. Randy Jordan has been with Jay Gruden since 2014 when Jay first came here. Randy Jordan's staying as coach of the running backs. Now the Redskins did reportedly go after a the running backs coach for the Carolina Panthers' Jake Peets, who was here back in 2014, uh, but did a really good job with Christian McCaffrey, and apparently the Panthers were able to keep him. Um, So they let everybody else go, but they did not let him go. Uh, So I assume he'll have a a spot on that Carolina coaching staff, right? Unless there was some kind of funny, weird thing going on there. John Matsko is the offensive line coach. He was the offensive line coach and then the running game coordinator the last couple of years in Carolina. Uh, Drew Terrell, assistant wide receivers coach. Travell Wharton, assistant offensive line coach. And officially, Ken Zampezi, the quarterback's coach. So what's kind of interesting to me is that Scott Turner told this story basically how... You know, he came up and developed the plan because he was brought, and he had a hint that he would possibly be the. So it, it does look like the original plan was to try and keep Kevin O'Connell, but Kevin O'Connell did not want to be here, and that was pretty. Uh, I don't want to say that was well known, but that was that was. That was known to people on the inside. And I'm not saying I reported that. Uh, I don't know Kevin that that well because I wasn't on the beat up until a couple of months ago. I was just kind of working mm. around and afar. Um, but I've heard that from other people, too. Uh, so I guess I could say, yeah, I've been told that as well as, you know, others who originally reported that. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. All right, on the locked on Redskins podcast. Good to have you with us. Can you believe it's conference championship week? Kansas City and Tennessee, San Francisco, Green Bay. I really like that Green Bay-San Francisco game. I think that's going to be one hell of a dogfight. I'm not sure about Kansas City and Tennessee. But time's up for two of these teams playing this weekend. But you still have time to feed your fantasy fix with DraftKings the leader in one-day fantasy football. Just like I do, guys, draft your lineup and you can feel the sweat. No, not Montez sweat like never before. Every run, throw, catch means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. Download the DraftKings app right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500 on your next deposit. New users, be sure to enter the code LOCKEDON during sign-up, and you'll also get a free shot at over $750,000 with your first deposit. That's code Locked On, and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings with a minimum $5 deposit required deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey
0: guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or... Could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities... Dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. All right,
1: I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you with us right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. So we heard from Redskins Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner uh, now we want to discuss what Jack Del Rio had to say uh, on Wednesday via teleconference call. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to bring you the audio because um, there was some funkiness, if you will, uh, with the teleconference and the recording. Um, and it's kind of complex and Podcast 101, but we're not going to be able to bring you the audio uh, for right now. Hopefully, uh, we will be able to get a better feed of it. Uh, So, we do have the transcript, though. We do have the transcript, so. Uh, So, we want to bring you some of the highlights of what Jack Del Rio had to say. And he did confirm, again, that they're going to be a 4-3 defense. Not that we didn't know that, but he did confirm that. And he said it's all about the defensive linemen Being able to penetrate and disrupt. And he talked about, in the past, guys that he's worked with, Von Miller, of course, Khalil Mack, premier pass rushers, they put a lot of pressure on the offense and helped the defense. He says, it all starts for us with the penetrative, which I've never heard that, that term, disruptive Defensive lineman. So what he's talking about is Jonathan Allen, Matt Ioannidis, and Deron Payne collapsing the pocket from inside to make, presumably, Chase Young, if they don't trade the pick, and or Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan, and or Ryan Anderson, um, their job easier. And again, I think you can look at all four of those guys potentially being on the roster because, as you know, injuries pile up. And if you have depth, you don't lose down the stretch if you have depth. Now, figuring out how to do all that, different story. Um, So Del Rio did not specifically want to get into any evaluation of Chase Young. And again, that's somewhat understandable. He said, I think it is way too much premature to start talking about it. He says, honestly, I am not going to be providing my evaluation for the world anyway. We will work at it. We will start with evaluating our roster first and learn our guys first. Uh, then he talked about providing information for free agency and the draft. He said, you know, ultimately... They don't want to give away that information um, because they're going to provide it to Rivera, Ron Rivera, and the scouting staff. Um, and then that process is not going to be done. But he, he once again doubled down and said, when I do complete it, I am just being honest. It is not my job to inform you all about our evaluation. I think that is important what we do for the Redskins, and allow the Redskins to use that information to the best of their ability. So that's an interesting answer. He's basically telling you, uh, look, hey, guys, I don't know you guys. I'm not just going to sit here and give you a complete scouting report on Chase Young. Now, as he gets to know us, Del Rio, maybe that will change. I don't know. But he doesn't know us, and that was part of the problem with this being a phone thing as opposed to a in-person thing, is it didn't give us an, any opportunity for him to get to know us. Um, he talked a little bit about Dwayne Haskins. He said, I liked him coming out in the draft process. Now, remember, he wasn't heavily involved back in the— he took basically a, a year off. He's been out for two years. He took basically the first year off and then really started ramping it up. So I don't know how much of the draft process— He actually got to study, but he said, I liked him coming out in the draft process, Uh, and he thinks he's a fine young man and a good football player, and he says, I look forward to competing against him in practice. He said about potential issues of the defense. (laughs) In general, it can be better. Obviously, 32nd and third down defense, 32nd in yards allowed, 32nd in things, and towards the bottom of the league. Yeah, that's pretty blunt. Here's where I thought he made the most sense and where I loved his answer. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I have said, again, forever, that communication is a major problem. It is. Communication on the back end has been a major problem. It has been. Two different coaches, different players. They got rid of DJ Swearinger because they thought he was the bad guy. He wasn't necessarily. I mean, he... It's, it's not like he didn't deserve to be cut. But he wasn't the bad guy, per se. He, meaning, he wasn't the only problem. Young players, Josh Norman not being a great leader, so on and so forth. So he said, when asked by Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington, and this was going to be my question... Um, But uh, honestly, this was going to be my question. He said, okay, that'll be one of the big challenges and areas that has to improve. All you have to do is watch the tape. We've watched. He said, when you're watching the tape, there are countless examples of right before the snap where players are not in good position. Knees bent, focus on the offense. They're kind of turned to each other, looking around like, what are we doing? Or questioning. You can see them asking each other what's going on. The communication, the urgency in getting to the line, the urgency in getting the calls and communicating to each other, there was an issue there. Now, where it came from, it doesn't really matter. Like, blaming who is it. You want to blame players. You want to blame coaches. That doesn't matter to me. For me, it's about what we're going to do. What we're going to set our minds on being. What the offense is trying to do, not just what our assignment is, but what the offense is trying to do based on their formation, their tendencies, the down and distance, the different factors that we have. They're giving us clues, and we don't even have time to look for those clues if we don't know what we're doing to begin with. He said that urgency in that pre-snap portion of the game, I mean, that's huge to me. It'll be very important. We will need to be able to do those things so that we can talk about how we're being attacked and not just how we're going to line up and do our assignments. And he kept going on and on and on. And it was a great answer again. And it was a great question. And I'm so glad he answered it this way and didn't give one of those, well, I can't really talk about that type of thing, because this is something specifically you can talk about. There was no reason for it. And the only thing I can think of is there was a lot of loose culture. But I don't know why it particularly affected the secondary more than everyone else, but it certainly had a major effect. And you can't have that in this league. You can't have that in this league. Like he said, in order to, like Del Rio said, in order to figure out what they're trying to do, you have to know what you are and what you're doing, period, period, period. All right, we'll finish it up with Joe Jacoby. The doors to Canton closed, unfortunately. Next, on the Locked on Redskins
2: podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. We
1: wrap up this episode of the Locked on Redskins podcast. I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you with us with this. Once again, even with an expanded centennial class, even with a committee put together to discover and vote in and select and honor greats of the game that paid in played in eras that nobody was even alive for. One player who was a four-time pro bowler, An all-decade left tackle in the 1980s. A three-time All-Pro. Three Super Bowl titles. He got the door shut to Canton on him. Joe Jacoby is, of course, who we're talking about. Uh, And as my buddy Ed Sheehan, and I wrote about this um, on the Redskins Maven site, si.com slash NFL slash Redskins, put out, Jim, Jim Bo Covert, I knew him as, Jim Covert was elected. By this group of voters to the Hall of Fame. He played roughly the same time period. He only made the Pro Bowl twice in eight years. Two time All Pro, won one Super Bowl. So, I mean, by the numbers, and Jacoby played longer, and obviously that's maybe where they kind of distinguished it. I'm still waiting for clarification on what was the distinguishing uh, factor, but Jim Covert makes it, and Joe Jacoby does not they of course did not explain what happened but there was only one of three departments that joe jacoby could have been elected to and you know all-time greats and guys that uh, listen nobody's saying that jim covert didn't deserve it what we're saying is if jim covert deserves it then what about joe jacoby if winston hill who played from 1963 to 1977, deserved it. What about Joe Jacoby? That's what we're saying. So, again, a very frustrating resolution or non-resolution for Joe Jacoby and the Washington Redskins. We will see uh, if anything good uh, can come out of that. All right, that's going to do it for us right here on the Locked On Redskins podcast. Thanks for being with us.